Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 22 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporter's Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and on this episode, I am so excited to be joined by one of my favorite actresses and one of my favorite people in this business, a tremendous and I think widely underrated talent, the actress Kristen Stewart. She's just 25 years old, but she's been in the business for almost all of her life. She's tiny, just 5'5", but huge, with a large and loyal and sometimes rabid following, particularly since her foray into the Twilight films a few years ago, and that's proven to be something of a mixed blessing in her life. On the one hand, virtually everyone knows her name. On the other hand, a lot of people don't realize that behind the face of this big franchise is an actress with a lot of skill and talent that sometimes has been overshadowed by her celebrity. If people were familiar with her filmography, which includes Panic Room, Into the Wild, On the Road, Still Alice, and many other movies that people really respect, then perhaps that would not be the case. But unfortunately, a lot of people only see the quote-unquote big movies and don't know that for most of her career, Kristen Stewart's excelled in indies and really never has given much of a damn about the stuff that comes with being a movie star. It's therefore appropriate enough that she's getting the best reviews of her life for a movie that basically sends up the absurdity of celebrity. It's called Clouds of Sils Maria, a less-than-ideal title because nobody knows what the hell it's about, but a really special movie written and directed by the French filmmaker Olivier Assayas, starring Oscar winner Juliette Binoche, and featuring in a very memorable supporting role Kristen Stewart as the assistant to the movie star played by Binoche. It's a very European film, which is why it's appropriate enough that it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. However, it's sort of odd because it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in 2014, the same year that it played at the Toronto International Film Festival, the New York Film Festival, AFI Fest, and many of the other places that films usually go when they're trying to win an Oscar in that particular year. In this case, Sundance Selects opted to hold it until the following year, this year, 2015, hoping that doing so would help it to find an audience in America. Unfortunately, however, despite getting great reviews to the tune of an 89% favorable rating on RottenTomatoes.com, it grossed just $1.84 million stateside and had faded from a lot of memories by the time this award season came around. Fortunately, however, critics did not forget it or particularly Stewart's performance. In fact, critics have gotten behind Stewart in a big and important way. She was awarded the Best Supporting Actress Prize of the Boston Society of Film Critics and, more importantly, the New York Film Critics Circle, perhaps the most prestigious critics group in the world, and she finished in second place with the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, which is not far behind. The French were ahead of the Americans on this one. Back in February, Stewart became the first American actress ever to win a César Award, France's equivalent of the Oscar, 
when she was awarded their Best Supporting Actress prize for her performance in Clouds of Sils Maria. Will she find a similar reception in America beyond the critics groups, perhaps with a Best Supporting Actress Oscar nomination? That remains to be seen. I can tell you she would have my vote. In the meantime, though, she'll be collecting the prizes that she's already been allotted over the coming days and weeks next Monday in New York at the New York Film Critics Circle Award Ceremony, which perhaps will have the effect of motivating Academy members who haven't yet heard of Clouds of Sils Maria or knowing their average age, perhaps of Kristen Stewart at all, to look into it a little bit. I encourage them to do so. In the meantime, not much else is going on in the award season. People are sort of hunkered down for the holidays. So we'll skip the recap and go right to the interview with Kristen Stewart. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Well, first of all, thank you very much for coming and doing this. And it's good to see you again, but it's also good to see as a fan that you're getting quite a bit of appreciation at the moment. So, I mean, it must feel good. Yeah, it's so cool and unexpected. We were... um just in France and in, and in Prague uh, working with Olivier again. And uh, so, yeah, the news was well-timed because it had been a long time since we'd considered that movie. You know, it came out really a lot earlier this year. Yeah. And it's a technically, you know, it's a foreign film. So it was a, a really cool surprise, yeah. For people who may not know, I just want to go back. We do this every episode and just kind of recount how we got here. So some of this is going to be stuff you've answered probably a zillion times, but just for... I'll the heck of it. I'm used to that. <laughs> You're used yeah. to that, I bet. Uh, so you, You're so going to you, ask me something I've never an- answered before? That would be, if, if I do, I'm going to feel like I, <laughs> what do you I hit mean? the I'm jackpot. Scared. You got into this stuff as a kid, right? So how did that itself begin? Well, my, my mom was a script supervisor for many years, and uh, that put me um, in, an, in an environment um, that sort of kick-started this interest in uh, making movies. Um, and as a kid, you know... Uh, I saw other kids walking around set and I was like, what is that about? How do I do that? I just want to be involved in this process in any way that I I can. And my parents um, were like somewhat reluctant to take me to a million auditions and potentially become stage parents because they've been in it for so long. They thought it was bizarre and it's like, you know, kind of doesn't really happen. And uh, I it did. I just went on, I auditioned for like a year and and was really into it and um, was never... I was super shy and was never really like performancey, but I was really just into making movies and having a job on a set. What and do you think you liked was... about it? What was especially if you're a shy kid? Why do you suddenly come out of your shell when you're an actress? Um, it's such a, it's such a cool environment. You know, like the, um, the amount of people that it takes to make a movie and the commitment and. Uh, utter engagement that you have to have from the beginning to the end is sort of hypnotic and just uh it's so distinct and I think even when I was really young I was like what is what is this crew what is this what is this like clan of people that are all here at really odd hours and doing really strange things because they're all for some reason like passionately committed you can't make movies like the most miserable crew members uh are just ones that don't really have a passion for it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's cause it's hard, you know, you, you only do it if you love it right. cause it's like, you know, a grind. So you had a lot of impressive early credits in terms of, you know, doing really good work and some films that were more widely seen than others. But what do you look back at as the first break in a sense, the one that in your mind was the one that kind of maybe put you on the map? Uh, I mean, it's, it's weird because I've had these little moments of, um, like my job kind of changing, and so, like, this is a movie that no one's probably ever, you know, this is not a movie that uh, put, you know, 
Maybe it put me on the map. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, it's I did a movie called Speak that really right. cha- reoriented my uh, sort of approach to acting and why I did it. And um, so from then on, I took it. I was from 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 the time I was thirteen when I made that movie, I knew that I wanted to be an actor, full stop. Um, it wasn't just an interest in, you know, making movies and in, in being a part of a crew and being on a set. It was like all of a sudden I took it. You know, it, it moved me in a way that felt it, it really uh, just sort of beyond anything that I could, knew it could be. And then um, in terms of like putting me on some kind of, I, I honestly uh, I did. Twilight, when I was 17, it came out when I was 18, mm-hmm. and my life was never even remotely the same. Right. But before that, I had found what I wanted. You know what I mean? Like, before that, I, I think um, I was really challenged and busy and, like, stimulated, uh, just sort of incredibly quiet about it. And then, um, but in terms of maps, that one obviously, <laughs> yeah, kind of sure. changed things, yeah. Well, going back before that even for a moment, Panic Room, I think, if there's one thing, aside from being very entertaining that it did uh, was that it sort of seems like you came out of that with a nice relationship with Jodie Foster Mm -hmm. and it seems like there's actually been a pattern of female co-stars who could have been your mother you know in terms of age in the real world who are very fond of you she's one of them Melissa Leo and Welcome to the Rileys or I should say after Welcome to the Rileys Julianne Moore after Still Alice first of all these are we should note Mostly uh, the ones that I've been mentioning are indie projects. Mm. But what can you say about some of these relationships that the more special relationships that have come out of projects like the ones that I mentioned? Yeah, you really are uh, in, you know, the trenches, so to speak, like more so than uh, most other environments that I've found myself in. Um, You know, it's you you throw yourself at something for a given period of time so intensely and only with, you know, like minds uh, and people that are sort of, you know, they're there for the exact same reasons that you are. Therefore, you feel this, like, immediate closeness. And um, I've gotten really lucky. I have worked with... Um, I've worked with a few women that, uh, even though, you know, generationally and we, we, you know, I could sit here and describe all the many vast differences between myself and those guys individually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But when you, when you, when you do the same thing and, you know, everyone has different ways into characters and everyone has different drives and sort of like uh, um, reasons why they act. But there is something that when boiled down is just like it's it's the nicest thing to share this like fundamental um uh I don't know like like willingness to sort of let yourself go and like do that together you can't do that alone it just feels a whole lot better to do it with with people and they're all women that I really uh you know obviously anyone would would really um be lucky to spend time around so how tough is it? Because by nature, the, you know, everybody talks about movie sets sort of feels like a family or in an ideal situation. And then it's over and that family is never together again. I mean, maybe a few people, but how difficult is that aspect of it? Um, I mean, you retain the people that are worthwhile. I think, uh, you know, I'm not great at keeping in touch with people, but it's really not about that. It's like if you walk into a room, that experience, it just never really dissipates. There are people that I could not see for a really long time. And um, and as soon as, you know, I was in their presence, every sing- it would be like that experience was much closer. Um, you know, but then at the same time, you meet a lot of people. You can't do that with, like, everyone. But 
I feel like the people that have really mattered uh, are are present. Yeah. Even if even if it's like perennially, they're definitely in my life and like in important moments. Like you have you have those people. So because you started so young, I'm guessing that the way you've approached acting itself has evolved over the years. Can you sort of talk through that act? Is there an actual approach? Some people say it's the method. Some people say it's something else. Like how has your technique evolved over the years? Um, it's always it's always just started really purely an impulse and then being able to like not let anything cloud that and following it and um, not letting uh, not not allowing your you know your own sort of complacencies or insecurities limit you know your your risk-taking willingness like your willingness to really sort of uh, go in on something because in my experience that's always just paid off even if it's I mean, not in terms of like how a movie turns out, but just by the end of an experience on a film, you know, for me, it has been rare and really gut wrenching to look back and say, I didn't feel everything that I wanted to feel. I didn't go through it. Something held me back. And those moments are really just, I mean, I can't even tell you they're, you know, it's, they're luckily they're pretty few and far between because, you know, I've just, just been fairly committed, but you know, the, the, the moments that slip by you are, are quite uh, gruesome for for the yeah for the crazy actor like sitting at home being like I messed it up but uh, but um, I, that's never changed so that's the thing is right. I think from I had one fairly noticeable shift in the way I thought about what I did at age thirteen With the, yeah. yeah and then from then on I've um, yeah I've just I mean I guess like a, one point to change would be that. Um, I don't apply as much, uh, I don't apply like as much, um, I, tr- I trust myself a little bit more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas I think when I was like a little bit younger, I kind of, I used, uh, I used anxiety and nerves, which I still have a lot of. It's just that um, I think I'm like better at channeling them and ever so, I, I get better every time I do a job. I'm like, oh God, I wish I could go back and like <laughs> do my last job over quiet. again now that I'm here. Like, yeah. I, it's getting it's getting more fun, which is well, that's sort of great. Funny. Yeah, and are you able, you know, let's say with a, some of the darker movies that you've done, let's say a Camp X-ray or something, can you go home and turn it off, or are you one of these people? You say the anxiety was a part of the of the technique earlier, or m- maybe not even because you wanted it to be, but now at this point, do you feel like you can sort of switch it on and off? Um, I'm I'm fairly good at living in the moment and being able to compartmentalize and sort of turn around and focus on what I want to focus on. You know, there's a lot to look at. You just have to decide what that is <laughs> and then not let the rest right. just, you know, render you blind. And like, I've, I don't know, I've gotten pretty good at that. So yeah, no, I, but at the same time, when I'm on a movie, you know, you might not be able to tell like all the time, but I'm, there's, there's nothing I, I just worked with Olivier again, and uh, this is Olivier Assayer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who directed Sills yeah. Maria, and uh, I've, I think like if you were to ask me on the movie if I if like you know on, on a given evening after work, it's like hey, don't I be like yeah, great, fucking hey, great, whatever, <laughs> and um, but at the same time now like having just a little a couple of days distance from that, I have ne- I was so I I was a crazy person, I was so <laughs> obsessively there was nothing else in my world like existed at that time and now coming back into my current 
existing reality, I can see that I had just literally, I was gone. I was a goner for a long time, which is amazing. That's like what you want. So you're happy with that. It's not unhealthy or something that bothers, you know, how do you, it's, it's, that's the way you want it to be. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, the more unhealthy I feel at the end of a job is like, you know, that's kind of what I'm going for. (laughs) The closest, like when you feel like you're really going to die is when you feel like the most alive. And I actually think, I think that constantly when I'm working, I'm always like, God, this is not something that most people, this is, I just, I get these like, not just like while acting, like trying to like fabricate these emotions, but there are circumstances and like uh, just situations that are so unbelievably heightened. And it's not just you. I'm not just like this crazy person in front of a camera, like (laughs) making up a situation, but it's everyone involved and like whatever you're thinking about and like whatever, like uh, whatever story has led you to this point, I feel as though I might actually like spontaneously combust sometimes or like just not be able to go on. And that's the coolest. I don't know too many people like, you know, whether it's their job or like most people don't have hobbies that push them to these extremes. Right. And it's so cool because I'm like, wow, I really can kind of take like anything. I feel like Mm -hmm. at this point, if this didn't like kill me, God. (laughs) Well, in terms of scales of projects, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you've certainly done the the big ones like Twilight or Snow White and the Huntsman or whatever. But it seems like pretty much the filmography before, during, and after the Twilight movies was dominated by indies. And just to put that in some context, which we talked about when we did the indie panel uh, Mm -hmm. at AFI Fest, I think people were struck to realize you have had probably more movies go to Sundance than anybody. Speak, Adventureland, The Yellow Handkerchief, Welcome to the Rileys, The Runaways, Camp X-Ray, and I'm sure I'm forgetting others. So in terms of that type of a project, can you talk about how... The experience is different for the actor and also why you return to them when you kind of can pick the scale at this point. Why is that what you're drawn to? Um, I, I, I'm genuinely just drawn to material that is moving. And, um, uh, you know, I, those two projects, like, you know, the Twilight series and then Snow White, they happen to be... It was kind of rare for, at least for me at that point, it was kind of rare for me to see uh, movies that I cared about like that at a scale, at, at, at that scale. And I really haven't since. Um, or else I, you know, would probably try and get that job, which, you know, and there have definitely been things that I haven't gotten that I would have been interested in. It's, um, it's never really like, uh, you know, you can definitely describe the, the, um, all the surrounding logistics and like, you know, the different sort of tonal qualities between both promotion and making those movies. But, um, I like both. I think, uh, I I really like making movies with a small group of people that, uh, would just, you know, just do anything and give everything that they have to it. But at the same time, whenever I say that, whenever I start to talk about the differences between independent and more mainstream movies, what you look for in a mainstream movie is all the stuff that you have on a smaller movie. You just have more money and, like, you know, more stuff to play with. Right. Um, but I, I typically kind of recently, I've, I've been into slightly more diagonal um, sort of, a little bit more like uh, uh, a little less straight down the line in terms of story. And those are always a little bit less commercial. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how would you characterize? Cause I think it seems like it was obviously a big thing in your life and it's not something we're going to spend a lot of time on, but the, the twilight experience, if you could go back to the moment now 
when it was first sort of offered to you, knowing what it involved and and what comes with that, mm. would you make the same decision to do it again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, again, I've like done everything so sort of by the gut. I can't look back at anything that I've done and been like, that wasn't a good idea. It's like, well, whose idea was it? It wasn't really an idea of anyone's. It was just sort of what happened. And every every project I've done is sort of brought me here and put and made me who I am and blah, blah, blah. And, and that one, um, uh, yeah, like, you know, a lot of, a whole lot of other, uh, baggage, um, really heavy and also really cool baggage, like, like came along with it. Um, but I'm sort of, if you step outside of it for a second and just like assess, like I'm in the greatest position. I, I couldn't draw a better picture. So we're coming off the Star Wars opening weekend. And now the person who is in the forefront of everybody's, you know, sights at the moment is this is this actress Daisy Ridley, who's, you know, the star of that. Her life is not going to be the same again, right? So what's the guidance based on your experience of going through this that you would offer somebody like her? Um, I mean, it's a huge, like, it's a huge lifestyle shift, you know, like certain, it's small things really, like, um, you know, focus on the fact that you're stoked because you're, you know, doing the work that you want to do. And um, uh, it's literally mainly just about, like, focusing on on what makes you happy. And, uh, you know, if losing your anonymity or whatever doesn't make you happy, then it's just to focus on something else. You know what I mean? Or, you know. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. At this point, though, the way you're saying, you're talking about types of material, that's the most important thing. So you don't, like, if somebody were to say, do you see yourself as an indie actress who does occasionally big movies or do you see yourself as a movie star who occasionally does indies how do you in your own mind view your be like don't try and put me in that box (laughs) snap it you gotta (laughs) snap it for the sound yeah you just reject the idea of like there's a specific kind of label you could put on yeah i don't i don't like making promises you know what i mean it's like i can't tell you that that's you know what i'm doing now no i'm definitely um uh, kind of all over the map, yeah. Which which I like, you know what I mean. The level of interest itself in acting, in one form or another, has never wavered. Like you've never said, like you know, what, screw this, it's not worth it. I'm out of here. I'm I'm close to getting to the point where it's like, <laughs> you know, who needs this? No, I'm like madly in love with what you I do. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a crazy person. Yeah. So prior to Clouds, it had been a little while, I think, since you'd last done a movie. And so why was that? And and what was it about this one that made you say, I'm going to come back and do this? Mm. Um, I've gotten to certain points uh, after working a lot, which has basically been really pretty consistent since I was a little kid. 
I'm always like, you know, after every movie, I say like, this is one, this is the time I want to take a break. I really need to take a break. And I've had every single member, uh, every single person in my life always tell me like, you're never going to do it, but you really have to take a break at some point. <laughs> and uh, I had kind of just wanted to like close the door for a while, and nothing piqued my interest enough to. Uh, toy with that kind mm-hmm. of and it was um, yeah how long was it I, I I don't know but I was still reading I was definitely still willing I, I think um, you know it takes it takes a really particular something to 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 go forth and like commit to a project um, it's a massive responsibility sure and um, yeah so I think I just wanted a second to not be enlisted in the <laughs> filmmaking right. army when those rare moments have happened where you're not like on the hook to be somewhere working on something or doing whatever what is it that you find yourself most enjoying doing like is there is there something that rivals acting in terms mm-hmm. of a passion or a hobby or whatever um i really like writing i i like but i do that like through i i do that while i work probably more um and um, when you say writing, you, stories, I poetry. like poetry. Yeah. yeah, I write a lot of poetry. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've written like a few like more linear things, but mainly like I just really like playing with the words. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I uh, I work a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need to stop working so much so I can kind of hone those other things. I, I suppose, or maybe do something with them. Um, Would you write a script? Is there any desire to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have a strong, really, really, really strong desire to direct something. Um, and I think that uh, I, I I love movies that really focus on, like, the moments in between, the moments that you're used to watching in films. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the way to service that would probably be to do something really freeform. Mm-hmm. And so it, it would be about choosing people and uh, a circumstance, probably. And uh, I think what I would be most interested in is, like, I think I'd be pretty fucking good at, like, getting people together and making sure we're all on the same exact plane and right. just, like, starting a fight and letting people know that they can just go further and further and further. And I know I can do that. I've done that. I've, right. I've had, that's what you have between two actors that you really, like, you know, have. But, yeah, um, I'm just... Uh, storytelling wise I have no idea what that is yet well it was fun at that at the AFI panel watching I think like Tilda Swinton seems to be a big fan of yours and I think you got a kick out of like that's the kind She's of work that she does I mean like yeah. the very or often has done over the years the freeform stuff so mm. anyway I uh, she's so cool she's incredible yeah. yeah so as far as clouds for people who haven't seen it yet can you give some sort of a, a tease of what it's about and, and who you are in it and then we'll get into it a little more Sure. Um, uh, yeah, Clouds of Sils Maria is a movie about an actress uh, rehearsing a play and sort of reflecting on her life and um, what got her to where she's at. And, uh, you know, it's kind of about two women in, in really uh, quite polar opposite um, stages of their lives. And um, they're kind of swapping roles and playing mother daughter friend um confidant coworker uh you know boss servant it's but really it's like an interchangeable hat that they wear and 
yeah, it's hard to describe. I, like, whenever it's like, hey, what's sales about? I'm like, um, it's about a lot of stuff. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I mean, I could probably do that better. But basically, it's just about um, a- about an actress who is thinking about time. And, uh, and uh, there are a couple different examples of, you know, of time reflected on, on different ages. And it's sort of like um, perspectives and um, um, feelings over that time and how it changes. And your character, Valentine, but Val, right, basically, is, uh, I guess, when you read the material, why is it that you responded to her? Is there something that you really connected with? I mean, obviously, she's the movie star assistant, you're the movie star. However, it seems like there's quite a few, perhaps, uh, a similar worldview. Yeah, when I first read the script, I thought um, I was really drawn by the language. I loved how they spoke about the work that they did. Um, I like movies about movies. It's really esoteric and interesting, and because uh, like, I love the process, obviously, so much. I've spoken about that, like you know, for the last hour. Like <laughs> I'm really into what it takes to make a movie, and um, and you know, being somebody who's had an assistant and and somebody who's been around a lot of assistants and other actresses and actors and uh, somebody who's dealt with this sort of more absurd, um, really sort of surreal. Uh, uh, oftentimes just insanely superficial, empty um, circus of, of like what the media can be uh, and perception and just, you know, versus the perception like versus reality and then like someone being caught in the middle of that. I thought it was really funny and appropriate for me to play that part <laughs> because it was like there was just nobody who could say those things with sort of more um, knowing mm-hmm. and uh, people, People know that, and so it would like you know it definitely would endow the movie with something a little bit more like funny, just sort of like uh, calling out the obvious. Right. Um, and then, yeah. So the, and then doing it with with Juliet, who's like the opposite um, of that, and like pretends like she has no idea what's going on the internet, and like <laughs> uh, no, it was really yeah. I don't know it, for for so many reasons. I thought it was like uh, interesting for I wanted those words in my mouth. And then as we went forward and made the movie, it really did become uh, a lot deeper than I ever thought. It was a lot more layered, and um, he set us on this, like, path for potential discovery, and uh, it really ended up being um, a a lot more thoughtful than I thought. At first, I really just thought it was kind of fun and funny. Right. Well, you talk about, and just to step from the movie to reality for a moment, and then we'll come back. You talk about the absurdity of, and it's not only movies, it's just the idea of a lot of what comes with celebrity, right? Yeah. So in your experience with that, is it valuable in any way or is it just outrageous to deal with? I mean, I'll give you one example before you answer, because we had talked about this with the previous interview and it just seemed like I I get a small sense of what you deal with. And to that extent, I tweeted an hour before you got here, Kristen Stewart likes apples because I knew what was going to happen. 250 retweets, 180 something, you know, likes, whatever. And it's like said nothing, means nothing, who cares? And yet <laughs> that's, that's really what happens. And I just yeah. wonder for you as the, you know, <laughs> it's it was just I could, I I was hoping it wouldn't be the case and right. it was. Yeah. So what's what's that like from your side of things? Um And I'm sorry if you don't like apples. I don't no, know. No, apples yeah. are cool. <laughs> uh I it's you know, it's um it's weird because it does shape the way I have to approach my everyday life. Um, and if you think about it, uh, it's just, 
funny because like there I think everyone really naturally has embedded somewhere really deeply within us an addiction to um uh, short attention span material, just like something that's going to be at every second, something interesting for me to look at. Blah, blah, blah. And um, so when it comes to industry and um, people wanting to uh, be successful and make money and, and it's like, it's perfect. It's, it's just like, Oh, well done to chain. That's like, and so uh, you can't, for, for me, like I've never fed into it. Like, you know, I, never had a public Twitter I've never had a public Facebook or like the things that where people go on and like look at your every move like Instagram and stuff like that um because it's so it would just be it's it's just so empty and um just distracting and I'm sure that it would be really distracting for me um and so like I don't understand how so many people don't view it as what it is which is nothing at all bullshit it's just nothing all of it there's doesn't exist And so I, yeah, it's weird, but it makes sense because you have a whole lot of people completely willing at any moment to be like, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, right. I'm bored, I could look at that, I could look at right. that. And so that's a lot of money. That's a lot of hits on websites and like right. stuff like that. And so it makes sense, but it's well, like, saying, how do you not see? Yeah, no, I mean, I guess it's like if you go to the zoo and you look at animals, they're they're very curious about what the other animals are doing. It's of the course. same thing. I guess it it's makes total sense. Built yeah. in, but it is kind of sick. It's weird, yeah. Yeah. And there's other stuff like that, too. Like, people get obsessed with other strange things. But this is just commonly a common strange obsession. Right. So in the case of celebrity as it's dealt with in this movie, what do you think the the overall message is of the movie? What's the hope of Olivier or anyone in terms of what people will leave the movie thinking? I think there's just a really stark contrast between the seriousness at which she approaches her job and like what it takes to, um, you know, live a character, and you know wh- why why people do that and stuff, and then put right ne- right next to it, right closely, right beside it, and kind of somewhat interwoven into it is the idea of perception and this like really like monumental fear um, that Juliet's character has. That's strange to see on somebody who is so established and driven and like professional and uh, you know admirable um uh i think i think it's just i think it just calls i think it just sort of sheds light on the ridiculousness of that mm-hmm. um and also getting to know chloe's character and who she actually is as a person versus who she seems to be uh in in the public eye is that even by the end you're not sure you have a moment where you like her but then again she goes back and you're just not sure you just you don't know and you'll never know um it, it is a facade and uh, so I, I like the sort of unanswered questions at the end of it. Yeah. This is not a movie that would probably get made in America, right? I mean, what is it that makes it feel or seem different than, than a Hollywood production or an Ameri- even an American indie? I'm not sure mm. if they would do it. There's something really classical and beautiful and sort of grand about the way it's captured. And with a movie about two women in a room speaking about their lives and their work, uh, you would never get the, you, you really would never get the amount of money to say shoot it in film like he did and take a sort of semi-indulgent schedule like he did and have all the actors that he wanted when they were available and da da da. So he, um, maybe we would make a movie like this, but it just wouldn't have the same. It wouldn't be this. It just wouldn't be the same. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it's not a gritty raw indie. It's just a very sort of 
slow, beautiful. I mean, it's, you know, I mean that with a good connotation, like thoughtful, sort of like um, really beautiful meditation on a subject. And it's not that common here. You know what I mean? Like indie movies are all like, you know, uh, there's usually a reason why you need to. There's usually a really kind of easily definable reason why this movie is worth a certain amount of money in this you know, country. Like it's like every every single every single uh level has like a pretty specific type of film made mm-hmm. for that level. Mm-hmm. And uh so I just think that those two things for this movie they didn't go together, like the subject and the way it was captured and the approach to it. Well another interesting thing it seems like is there aren't outside of Woody Allen movies, too many movies in America and I believe you are working have you worked or you're going to be working with? I just did. Just did? Yeah, yeah. So perfect, because maybe you can, can talk about this. But, like, dialogue is not driving too many American movies anymore. It's pretty much, you know, wait for the next explosion or whatever. And that's that's fine to an extent. But in this case, it's really dialogue-driven. And I wonder for you, how did you like working in that way? Is it something that comes easily or it was an adjustment? I've uh, I've played a lot of characters that don't speak a lot. Especially at that point, I think I was really ready to start talking. <laughs> and uh, that was one thing that did definitely draw me to it. Um, and, yeah, I don't learn lines far in advance, and I really don't like to rehearse. And that's um, really the opposite of what Juliet likes to do. She works. Like, that's her thing. She, she works and works and works. And... Um, so I would learn my lines the morning of, basically, and be running away from her when she tried to run lines with me on set. And uh, I, the material was easy for me to remember because I feel close to it, and it, it, um, it just there was a rhythm. I think when you really like something as well, I could hear it once, and it's just there. I just need like if you know there are certain cues that just are embedded. And because um, I was going to ask you that actually, you say I guess you kind of answer it when you say that. You don't like to do too much prep, but for something like this where there's so much, it's in a positive way wordy, I kind of wonder, like, what's the process? Do you, I, I don't know what I would do. I would sit in the bathtub and just read it over and over or something. Yeah. What's your secret? Um, I honestly, on this, um, I just got, I got lucky every time. And, uh, and when I forgot my lines, it was kind of okay and good because there would always be, you know, we, I know the story so well. Um, that even if something comes out like that's not per, you know perfectly scripted, it always is like you know pretty closely resembles like what it, what it is. Um, but that's the thing is like my my quote unquote approach, my process um, is a little bit scary because I don't ever allow myself to prepare. It's like I really procrastinate when it comes to thinking about certain things because I never want to have a moment in the wrong moment, yeah. and I never feel. Ch- genuine I feel like you're sort of traipsing on something like treading on something feels silly to even approach it or read it seriously too far before the moment that you actually have to do it um so then oftentimes I'll be like five minutes before we're actually going to shoot something and I'm like I thought I knew this scene I guess I just really felt it and now I like look at I look at pages and I'm like oh god oh god and, and, but I'm yeah. pretty good at I can re- I can remember stuff really well that's good so how does a movie like this make you feel about the prospect of growing older in this business? Because it sounds like you do want to stick around doing this for the foreseeable future or some variation of maybe directing as well or whatever. But I guess how does the movie make you feel better? And how does at the same time working with Juliet, who whatever the movie's saying, she's making the movie. So mm. what's your take on that? 
if I feel the way that I feel now, which is how one probably most people would desire to feel in life, which is um, uh, where I want to be, you know what I mean? I, that's a it's a definable feeling. It's like when you're when you are where you want to be, and um, I feel really stimulated and like challenged and uh, not bored. And um, if that ran out, then I would stop acting. Um, but uh, I've seen a lot of people. You know, like these women that you've mentioned, especially Juliet, who's just, she's just, you can't stop her. Um, she recently said that she wants to take some time off so she can, like, hang with her kids and stuff. And I was like, I just don't believe you. But that's cool. <laughs> like, we'll see how long that lasts. Right. And if you had not become an actor, what would you guess you would be doing right now? Um, I've always been uh, pretty preoccupied and, like, uh, really enamored by... Um, the whole film industry thing. So some other aspect. Yeah, I would definitely, I would, I would be, I would be working in the film industry in some way. Is there something specific? Is it? A, is there a story? I know we've established definitely directing is something that's on the to do list. But are, in the meantime, as an actress, do you feel like there's a story that you want to tell or a person that you want to work with or something like that's you will confide here? Just, just you us want in a new thing? Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. No, not really. No. I have a hard time answering that. Um. I, um I only really know what I want to do as an actor when it's been presented to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have... Uh, I, I can never, you know... I'll probably... I've, I've shied away from, like, producing things um, and being uh, part of, like, developmental uh, stages of projects because as soon as you get really close to something, you feel like you've had a hand in shaping it. All of a sudden, it lacks credibility, I'm like, I don't know, I made that up. You know, I like I helped make that, you know what I mean? So I, I really, as an actor, I really like to be like a hired hand. And it's hard for me to, you know, fantasize about like roles that I'd want to play. You know what I mean? I just, so like I don't a, sit around thinking about that. But like uh, people that I would want to work yeah. with again is what I uh, okay. usually like is my default, like avoiding that question answer. <laughs> um, it's like, who, like, who else would you want to, like dream director? I'm like, oh God, I, there's, I have no idea. But like, Working with Olivier was incredible because I'd done it. I had done it before, and you can only dig a little deeper and get to know someone more. And um, so, yeah. So. And how was the Woody Allen experience? What's that all about? Uh, it's a trip. <laughs> it's a real experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's did you a have whole... one of these auditions that supposedly it's like a one minute thing? Yeah. I well, I did audition for it. Yeah. He wasn't in the room, and so it took longer than a minute because I did it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, um, spoke to him on the phone for a minute before that happened and um it's yeah it's like this whole it's 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 a woody allen production (laughs) and all of the key players are the same and have been with him for just years and years and um and it's such an easy process it's like it's it's like you know whatever happens by the end of this day is what's going to be in the movie you know what i mean it's like it's um it's kind of a really sort of like relaxed uh, approach, but at the same time, like qual- golden, like the quality, like you know, we just I felt like the work that we were doing was really like uh, fun. Just like I, I really, really liked sharing that with Jesse because he's a, he's fun to dissect. This is Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesse's you guys were so great. I didn't, we didn't even get to talk about Adventureland, which is terrific. But the, mm-hmm. so, but the thing is, because the stat with Woody Allen that's amazing. Everybody always says, you know, one of the best actor directors. He's got more people in his movies nominated or 
one for Oscars, particularly women, totally. than anybody else. What makes him a good actor's director? Uh, his writing, honestly. Sorry. There's just that you, there are impressions um, and sort of ways of describing situations that it's just undefinably him. Mm-hmm. And also really hits, it just hits so many uh cornerstone truth so you just you read something and you go oh i've just felt that like it's like when you read about like there were so many things he actually says that he could be able he should be playing every character in the movie and he could uh he can't though because he just doesn't look the part right and so um reading it is kind of crazy because you're like god you really are very deeply each one of these people and they're all so different and uh no it was really fun i like he was Really, sort of like everything's funny to him as well. He's he makes everything funny, <laughs> and like uh, he was describing like why I should be feeling a certain way or something in a sort of like really self-referential kind of like like uh, like out of the moment detached way. Um, but it was really de- like it was like sad, you know, the, like it was a pretty poignant, emotionally poignant moment for my character. And I was like, yeah, 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 I get it. No, no, I get it, dude. Yeah, yeah I get it. Just a little it. random. Yeah, yeah, it's just completely. <laughs> but 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 it, what he was saying was like so unbelievably true. I had to stop him and look at him and be like, dude. And I definitely <laughs> called him dude, called which him he dude. thought was probably hilarious. Yeah. And I was like, I really get this. Like, I, I man, I get it. And, like, I really wanted him to know that what he did really moved me because, like, he he was always just kind of, like, funny, grandpa almost. Like, he came in and was like, so do these clothes look uh, of the period to you? Do they look, uh, would you wear this to, you know, the bar tonight or something? And I was like, no, man, I'm dressed 1930s. Like, do you, can you not tell the difference between, like, generations? Well, I'm not sure when he was last at a... At a- at a nightclub or something, but it's, it's he like honestly he plays it, and I mean, like oh, he plays true. clarinet that's at a nightclub. True. I saw it; it was crazy. <laughs> well, the last question is just sort of coming back to the big picture. We've covered a lot of ground. You've obviously had some things that were terrific experiences. You've also dealt with your fair share of shit, and now here we are at a point where two Mondays from now is the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, and that will be followed by some of this other stuff, and who knows what else. And I mean, are you able to just even while working as much as you are, sort of just feel some satisfaction about this and just kind of enjoy the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's really well-timed as well because I just finished a huge sort of bout of work. And um, it's nice. It's like uh, it's like a little acknowledgement on the home front, which is cool because, um, you know, Olivier is a really big deal over in France and – uh, he helped me in that department for a second, which felt really good. And I'm proud of the movie. I'm proud of those guys immensely. And so it's nice to have that at home. And um, yeah, like, you know, we do this because we want to share on a grand level. And uh, I've done indie movies since like the whole Twilight thing, which was this like epic opportunity to share things with an epic amount of people. Um and so this is, uh, it, it's nice to work and work and work and work and work and work and then sit back and go, oh, cool. Well, now we can, like, you know, have that and share that. Well, congratulations. I will see you there. It's, it's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.